Hello, and welcome to Soothing Pods Sleep Stories. My name is Arif, and tonight I will be your guide as we embark on a journey to ancient Greece to hear the story of Theseus, the mythical king and founder of Athens, as he embarks on several quests across the beautiful countryside and through the ancient cities of this breathtaking region of the world. Before we begin, however, let us take a moment to unwind and find peace in the space that we are in, here and now. Close your eyes and allow your body to sink into the mattress beneath you. Notice the points where your body is in contact with the bed, how your legs are cradled by the soft, plush mattress, how your hips and torso are supported and embraced by this cozy little oasis. Notice how it feels to finally be at rest after a long day. There are no expectations or obligations here. By simply listening to the sound of my voice and coming on this journey with me, you are drifting into slow relaxation. With your eyes closed and your body sinking deeper and deeper into the mattress beneath you, Try and picture a glowing orange light just outside your window. It is an orb that glistens and shimmers, illuminating everything around it in its soft, warm light. It will light up whatever it is outside your window. Perhaps a tree or a bush, or a car, or even just the cool night air. Picture in your mind as the orb gently taps against your window. It lets out a soft tink as it does so, like a courteous knock from a kind old friend. The window magically opens, and with it, comes a cool night breeze that brushes against your legs, making the blankets around you somehow feel even warmer and more inviting. The orb floats into the room gently on the breeze, illuminating the walls, ceiling, and floor in that comforting, warm light. Picture it lighting up the items on your nightstand or TV stand, casting beautiful little shadows on the wall. But then, you notice something peculiar about the orb, something interesting. Every time you breathe in, the orb grows a bit larger. It goes from being the size of a cupcake to the size of a large, 
round watermelon. And when you breathe out, the orb becomes smaller, shrinking back down to the size of the cupcake. Watch for a moment as you breathe in and the orb grows. And breathe out and it shrinks. As you breathe in and the orb grows. And breathe out and it shrinks. As you breathe in and the orb grows. And breathe out and it shrinks. Slowly, the orb lowers down toward your body. With it, it brings a warmth that radiates from its core, like a hot heating pad or a gentle, crackling bonfire. The orb glides down to your legs, hovering just over them. Feel as that light and warmth splashes against your legs, causing them to relax more and more. Feel as the orb melts away any tension that you've been carrying with you. Your legs sink deeper and deeper into the mattress now, completely and totally relaxed. Then, the orb slowly travels up your body. It hovers just above your stomach and slowly lowers. Feel its warmth as it releases and soothes any discomfort you've been carrying in your stomach or abdomen. You're no longer carrying any nervousness or tension there. All your muscles are completely at ease. Then, the orb continues up to your upper torso, covering your arms as well. As the orb lowers, feel your hands relaxing. Feel as your lungs expand, allowing more and more nourishing air into your body. Your breaths are now long and deep and fulfilling, bringing you even more comfort and peace. And finally, watch as the orb travels up to your head and neck. This time, as it lowers, it's not just releasing the tension in your shoulders, allowing them to fall away from your ears and relax. It is calming your mind. Feel as it unwinds any heavy thoughts in your brain and lays them out flat for you, allowing you to manage them with ease. Feel your jaw relax and 
the muscles around your ears calm. Then, as slowly as it drifted into the room, watch as the orb drifts off. It heads back toward the window, illuminating the walls, ceiling, and floors as it moves. It illuminates every item on your nightstand in an entirely new way. And then, it's out the window and floating down the street, carrying that brilliant glow with it everywhere it goes. Now that we have taken the time to unwind and find peace where we are, here and now, let us travel to ancient Greece and begin our story with the beloved, cunning king, Theseus. Aegeus, the king of Athens, was a powerful, wise man. He lived in his lush palace with hardly a worry in the world. In the morning, he would sit in his palace atop the highest hill in the city, looking down at his subjects and the stunning port in the distance. He loved the way the rising sun painted the mountains on the horizon in breathtaking shades of scarlet, salmon, purple, and red the way those mountains reflected on the water, looking almost too beautiful to truly be real. His palace had everything he could want, the best food in all of Athens, the most wonderful, talented musicians and performers, the finest furnishings that could be found anywhere in the world. He even had two beautiful wives, Meta and Chalciope, who he loved dearly. But there was one thing that was missing from the palace. The sound of children's feet scampering down the hall. The sound of children's laughter echoing through the art-covered walls, filling his heart and his home with warmth. Neither of King Aegeus's wives had yet bore him a child, and over time that became a grave concern of his. He worried that one of his three brothers would try to overthrow him and take the throne, so Aegeus set out to try and find some guidance. Desperate for answers, he went to the oracle, hoping she would be able to tell him how to produce a male heir and with whom. The oracle looked down from her chair, glistening in the moonlight. She had a magical air about her that caused even King Aegeus to feel inferior. With a calm, 
relaxed tone, she told the king, Do not loosen the bulging mouth of the wineskin until you have reached the height of Athens, lest you die of grief. King Aegeus did not understand the oracle's words. Disappointed, he headed back to his kingdom, wondering if he would ever have a male heir. On the way back to Athens, he decided to stop at treason and consult King Pythias, hoping that he may be able to decipher the message from the oracle. King Pythias understood the message perfectly, but feigned ignorance, hoping that he could procure himself a grandson that had Aegeus's blood. He gave King Aegeus some wine to drink, and then introduced him to his daughter Aethra. They spent the night dancing and drinking, and sitting under the stars and moon together. And, eventually, as the moon sailed toward the distant horizon, the two lay together. In her dream, Aethra received instructions from the goddess Athena to immediately go to the nearby island of Sveria. So she left the sleeping Aegeus and waded across to the island. When she arrived, the mighty god Poseidon enchanted her and spent the night with her. So, when she later discovered she was pregnant, she didn't know who the father was. Was he a god or was he a king? Aegeus had worried something like this might happen. So, before he left treason, he hid his sword and a pair of his sandals beneath a great boulder. He went to Aethra and told her that if she bore a son, he could, when he reached adulthood, try and lift the boulder to retrieve the sword and sandals. If he managed to get the sword and sandals, then Aegeus would know he was truly his son, and he would be the future king of Athens. When Aethra gave birth to her son, Theseus, it was undeniable that he was the son of someone important. He was the most beautiful child anyone in treason had ever seen. He had a happy upbringing full of love, but it was clear from the beginning that Theseus was unlike his peers. One day, when Hercules came to visit and took off his lion belt before sitting at the table, all the children were alarmed, except for Theseus, who grabbed a heavy axe and swung it at the pelt, thinking it was a real lion. 
When he came of age, Aethra did as Aegeus had instructed. She brought her son to the boulder and told him that if he could lift the boulder and retrieve the sandals and sword, then he was to be the king of Athens. With ease, Theseus lifted the heavy boulder. Dust and pebbles rained down on him as he hoisted it over his head. When he pulled the sword into his hands and slipped on the sandals, he truly knew his identity. And not just that, he knew his destiny as well. Theseus set off on the road to Athens, which was not an easy route by any stretch of the imagination. His mother begged him to take a ship and sail over the sea to avoid the dangers that the wilderness around Athens held, but Theseus refused. He believed that to be king, he had to prove himself as a hero, or no one would respect him. He embraced the dangers that lay ahead, for he knew that he could handle them with ease, even if no one else could. And so, Theseus set out on foot in the sandals that his father had left for him before he was even born. The road ahead of him was, indeed, full of danger, but it was nothing that Theseus couldn't handle. As he walked through a peaceful glade in the forest, surrounded by the beautiful symphony of singing birds, Theseus felt at ease. He had never been this far from home before, but encountering a countryside this breathtaking made him feel as though he were at home. He listened to the sound of the chirping birds, the calls of frogs enjoying lazy days on lily pads floating on the glassy pond. But then, he heard another peculiar sound, a loud thump, thump, thump. Theseus knew exactly who it was before he even entered the glade. Periphetes was a legendary figure he had heard about since his childhood, a powerful warrior with the Browns Club. Periphetes took out anyone that dared to come near him. He had never been outsmarted and never lost a battle. But that would end on that beautiful, sunny afternoon with Theseus. Before Periphetes could even realize what was happening, Theseus snagged the bronze club from him. He defeated Periphetes with his own weapon and went on his way, deciding that the club would be a useful weapon 
on the rest of his journey, indeed. But it didn't stop there for Theseus. He defeated several rivals using their own methods. He took care of Cenis, the pine bender, who killed people by tying them to trees. Then he found himself on a stunning rocky road that wound along towery cliffs in Corinth. There, once more, Theseus felt at ease. He watched as seabirds swooped overhead and down into the waves. Wild flowers peppered the space between the road and the cliffs that overlooked the sea. Cottony clouds overhead cast lazy shadows on the evergreen grass around him. And then there was Siron, a strong, rough-looking man who seemed entirely out of place amongst all this beauty. They met on the narrow cliff face pathway where Siron told Theseus that he would not let him pass unless Theseus first washed his feet. Only then did Theseus realize who Siron was. He had heard tales of a thief, a scoundrel who would make travelers wash his feet, only to kick them into the waves below to be eaten by a giant turtle. But Theseus didn't want Siron to know that he was onto him. So, Theseus knelt before Siron and took his foot as if to wash it. But instead of washing it, Theseus hoisted Siron over his head and tossed him into the waves below, sending him to meet the fate that he had intended for Theseus. After defeating Siron, Theseus continued along the dangerous route to Athens. Every single rival that he came upon, he was able to overpower or outsmart with ease. And not only was he protecting himself, but he was bringing peace for any travelers that would walk the once troubled road behind him. When he arrived in Athens, he thought he would be seen as a hero, the heir to the throne who was finally coming to take his rightful place. However, that was not the case. Theseus didn't reveal his identity to his father when he arrived at the palace, so his father had no clue who this young warrior truly was. But Medea, one of his father's wives, knew instantly who Theseus was. She had a son from a previous marriage that she hoped would ascend to the throne. So instead of welcoming Theseus and greeting him with kindness, she told him he needed to prove his worth 
To achieve this, she ordered him to capture the Marathonian bull, which was once captured by Hercules and later let loose around Marathon. She believed it to be an impossible task, but few things were impossible for Theseus. He set off to Marathon, where the bull had been terrorizing locals and causing havoc for several years. With ease, Theseus was able to capture and conquer the bull. The people of Marathon celebrated Theseus as a hero, and he relished in the glory of not only saving the people, but proving his worth yet again. When Theseus returned to Athens to tell Medea and his father that he had conquered the bull, his father was pleased. Medea, on the other hand, was far from it. She proposed a toast, giving Theseus a poisoned chalice. But just as Theseus was about to drink from the cup, his father recognized the sandals and the sword he was carrying and realized who he was. He knocked the chalice from Theseus's hands and embraced his son, welcoming him home. Medea fled the palace, never to return. Finally, Theseus was where he belonged in Athens. And though living in Athens was glorious, it was not easy. Many people wanted to kill Theseus for a chance to ascend to the throne. And there was one other problem, a problem that Theseus could and would not stand for. King Minos of Crete had once sent his most beloved son, Androgeus, to take part in the Panathenaic Games that were held every four years in Athens. Androgeus soon became a crowd favorite, which angered Palantidas, the sons of King Aegeus's younger brother. Palantidas killed Androgeus, devastating King Minos. As a result, King Minos ordered that every great year, which occurred after every seven cycles on the solar calendar, King Aegeus was to send his seven most courageous men and seven most beautiful women to be thrown into the labyrinth in Crete and destroyed by the Minotaur. Theseus disapproved of this horrible ritual. He wanted to protect the people of Athens, and so he set out himself to defeat the Minotaur and put an end to the madness. When he landed on the stunning shores of Crete, there was a woman sitting on the dock, twirling her feet in the cool water below. Her name was Ariadne, 
and she was the most beautiful woman in all of Crete. She was also the daughter of King Minos, the man who had cursed so many people of Athens to their horrible fate. But when their eyes met for the first time, nothing else mattered. Where they were from and who their parents were was lost in the wind. All Ariadne could do was stare up at Theseus. Her heart pounded as she admired his deep, honey-amber eyes. Her eyes traced along his sharp jaw and journeyed down to his muscles, which shimmered in the light of the slowly setting sun. She could see the power he possessed, the glory that he was constantly chasing after. She was mesmerized by him, and Theseus felt the same. So rarely did he have time to stop and truly see the people around him. But with Ariadne, it was impossible not to. She twirled her feet in the water and looked out over the sunset with such a calm, peaceful energy, it nearly made Theseus forget why he had come here in the first place. They walked toward one another as if they were drawn by a powerful enchantment. They talked on the shore there for quite some time. Theseus helped her up with a kind hand, and as their fingers brushed together, sparks seemed to ignite in the air between them. He watched the reflection of the sunset in her bright green eyes as the sun crept further and further toward the horizon. He was utterly transfixed by her, drawn to her in a way that he had not been drawn to anyone else before. Their conversation lasted for quite some time, and when Theseus finally revealed why he had come to Crete, Ariadne was overcome with a wave of worry. She knew how fearsome the Minotaur was, and even if Theseus defeated the Minotaur, he would surely be lost in the labyrinth that had been masterfully created by Daedalus. Wanting the man she was falling for to escape the labyrinth, Ariadne went to Daedalus hoping to discover the secret of his maze. She spoke to him for hours next to a crackling fire, desperate to get an answer out of him somehow, some way. Finally, Daedalus gave in. He could see the resilience of Ariadne and the strength of her love for Theseus. He told Ariadne 
that one could escape his ever-changing maze if they brought a thread and made a trail behind them, which they could then follow back out when needed. Ariadne was overjoyed with this news. She hurried to the side of Theseus and gave him a large spool of red thread. As she placed it in his hands, her eyes locked with his. She knew that this thread would keep him safe and would bring him back to her. She told Theseus to lay a trail of thread behind him as he made his way to the center of the maze. Theseus thanked Ariadne profusely. Even someone as wise as him would not have thought such a simple trick could be the difference between surviving the maze and not. And so, Ariadne led Theseus to the maze. Despite where they were going, it was a light-hearted journey together. Both of them were so grateful to have found one another that the weight of what lay ahead was nowhere to be found. When they finally reached the stone edge of the impossibly tall maze, Ariadne patted the thread in Theseus's hands. She smiled at him, making him promise to come back and wishing him luck in defeating the Minotaur. Theseus looked into Ariadne's beautiful eyes and promised that if he came out, he would take Ariadne away with him to spend their lives together. With that sweet promise, Theseus looked upon the maze. He took a deep breath and entered, dropping the scarlet thread behind him so he could find his way back when the time finally came. Walking through the maze was a challenging ordeal. The stone corridor seemed endless, and the sky overhead was a hazy gray. But Theseus did not despair. He knew that he had Ariadne waiting for him on the other side, and he knew that by doing this, he was protecting his people. No more would the great people of Athens be sacrificed for the anger of one king. He walked deeper and deeper still into the winding maze, until finally he found himself approaching a large atrium. And lying there in the middle, curled up fast asleep, was none other than the fearsome Minotaur. Theseus thought he had the best luck out of any of the warriors. The Minotaur was asleep 
an easy target. But the moment he stepped into the atrium, the Minotaur awakened. He snapped to his feet, towering over Theseus. Theseus tightened his grip on his club and the sword his father had given him all those years ago. The battle was fierce yet short. Theseus glided around the Minotaur with ease and grace, allowing him to get out without a single scrape. Finally, he knocked the Minotaur to the ground, defeating him. In that single powerful strike, the future of Athens' maidens and warriors was secured. They were safe. With the Minotaur defeated, Theseus could set out to achieve his next goal. He could take the beautiful Ariadne as his wife. He tugged on the red string with a faint smile on his face, knowing that soon she would be in his arms. The journey to get out of the labyrinth somehow seemed longer than the journey in. All Theseus could think about was Ariadne waiting on the other side, probably praying for his safe return. The red thread slid through his fingers as he wound it in over and over, making good progress through the maze. In all the gray and darkness of the maze, there was that bright red thread of hope, that thread that reminded him why he had done this in the first place, so that all the people who would have been sacrificed to Crete would be able to remain with their loved ones so no one would lose their Ariadne. Finally, he felt a cool breeze wash over him. He knew the exit of the maze must be close. He picked up the pace, allowing the emotions inside him to guide him more and more, until finally, he emerged into the dawn of the day. The smell of wildflowers and cypress trees and the fresh, beautiful ocean washed over him immediately. And then, before he even saw her, he felt Ariadne's arms around him. She giggled with glee as she hugged her beloved, holding him tightly as if she never wanted to let go. Theseus kissed her forehead and looked at her with a warm smile. He promised her that now they would be wed, just as he had said before he entered the maze. After all this, they could be together. 
neither of them could wait for the wedding, and so they didn't. Theseus took Ariadne by the hand and led her back to the camp they had established, where all the other Athenians awaited them. When Theseus announced that he and Ariadne would be wed, the small crowd erupted with joyful applause. They were thrilled to see their hero in love with someone like Ariadne. As the sun rose around them, painting the sea behind them in a watercolor of pinks, oranges, reds, purples, and yellows, Theseus and Ariadne took one another by the hands. They stared deeply into one another's eyes as their vows were read before the gods. Standing there, they thought about how truly strange fate is, how just a few short days ago they hadn't known one another, how their kingdoms had detested one another. And now, here they were, hand in hand, telling anyone that would listen about the love they had for one another. And, indeed, they truly had a lot of love for one another. I hope you have enjoyed this story, and it has brought you a night of peaceful, relaxing sleep. Remember that any time you are struggling, you can follow this red thread to a night of rest. Please join us again tomorrow night for another sleep story. Until then, sweet dreams. <laughs>